Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, and here we are, episode number 16. It's awesome. I mean, 16 weeks, solid weeks worth of content. Television shows can't even pull that off. Granted, this is not as professional as a television show, and uh, there's probably one one millionth of the budget for this, because realistically, there is a very small budget. That gets put into this show. But in any event, I'm a little tired because last weekend uh, was the Sound and Fury Music Festival that myself and the music correspondent for the show, Joey, do. 50 some odd bands, three days. It's just a lot of stress, a lot of stuff going on. But uh, the festival went well. We sold out all three days. So awesome. That's why I am in such a good mood, but at the same time, I might also be a little uh, weird sounding because of the tiredness. But in any event, this is our first episode where we actually have two guests on. Not one, but two. So more bang for your proverbial buck, which is zero dollars because you're not spending anything to download this. But anyways, before I introduce them, 100 Words or Less is part of the Punk News Podcast Network. 
That's all. There's a lot of P's in there. I never really realized that until now. Visit punknews.org, and it's got a bunch of awesome news about whatever band you care about, they probably talk about, or they do a review of. So uh, check it out, and they also have a bunch of other podcasts that can tickle your fancy. If you like this one, you probably will like some of the other ones. So check them out. And uh, the guests this week, I'll speak more about them in a little bit, but Dan and Tom Searle, I'm totally butchering their last name, I'm pretty sure. Dan and Tom Searle from the band Architects, or as they're known here in the United States, Architects, parentheses, UK. Um, More about them in a minute, but you should follow us on Twitter, at 100wordspodcast, or find us on Facebook, 100wordsthepodcast, and you can like us, and we can be cool. Um, Above all, if there's one thing that you do, please subscribe to the show because that way you're going to get all of these new shows put to your iTunes each week. And, uh, yeah, that way you're not going to miss out on anything. And then, uh, you know, say you fall behind, you can binge listen to them. Um, that way you just keep getting the content as it comes out. Cause that's what I want to make sure that people are getting this on a regular basis. And, uh, yeah, that way they'll be able to tell me what they like or what they don't like. Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before uh, I dove into the guest intro was um, a good friend of mine recently passed away. His name was Christian De Silva. He was the sound guy at uh, Chain Reaction, a very local and important venue here in Southern California. Um, he was a sound guy for, I mean, as long as I can remember going there. Um, he did sound for the first band of mine that played there, Taken. And uh, he was just a great dude. He was one of those guys where I would see, obviously, at shows there. And he would always make an effort to just, you know, hang out with me, catch up, and, uh, you know, just hang out. And, uh, you know, he didn't need to do that for me and obviously the hundreds of other kids that uh, showed up to Chain Reaction on a regular basis. But, um yeah, he's just a great dude. Not only was he a great dude, but he was extremely professional in what he did as well and always made whoever was playing there sound as good as he possibly could. Um, yeah, so he died tragically in a motorcycle accident, and uh, it was pretty disturbing. I was definitely shaken up because, um, you know, he was only 40 years old, which is only nine years older than me, and uh, I sure as hell know that I do not want to be parting this planet in nine years. Um and so, yeah, he had two kids, one kid on the way. So it was very sad. Um, and my heart definitely goes out to him and his family. But a lot of other cool stuff has been happening around that in regards to benefit shows, helping out his family with all the costs that are associated with this. Um, so, yeah, and I actually went to one recently. Uh, the Aquabats played. Um, but it was just good because you got to be surrounded by people who knew him and, you know, kind of celebrate his life as opposed to be completely torn up and sad by it because that's uh, ultimately what no one wants to impart on the people that they care about when they leave this planet um, is for other people to you know be in misery for a long period of time. So anyways, Christian De Silva, great dude, and I'm sad that he is gone. Anyways, on a less serious note, even though it is somewhat serious at the same time, my two guests, Dan and Tom Searle, from the band Architects, or like I said previously, Architects UK here in the States, 
they actually got approached by the Kansas City, Missouri band. That's kind of a more, I mean, they don't sound anything like architects in the UK. They kind of have a whole garage punk vibe. But um, I was working at Century Media Records and I helped sign this band. And it was one of those things where it was the first time that I actually encountered the whole band name issue. But anyways, these guys are twins. So that's funny in and of itself. And they still to this day are some of the funniest people that I know. Their uh, proverbial English sense of humor really shines through. And this is definitely the, I guess, funniest podcast that I've done where they just, uh, they're so sarcastic on levels that I can't even begin to try to duplicate or mimic. But um, it's kind of one of the reasons why I like them so much because they're just so deadpan and funny. Um, so the interview gets a little confusing at times because we're kind of talking over one another. Uh, they're talking over themselves or they're talking between themselves, leaving me completely out of it. But, um, in any event, they are an extremely popular band in the UK, uh, Australia, Europe, basically everywhere besides the States. They're still kind of developing over here. And, um, yeah, but they... For how young they are, they really are kind of wise beyond their years, and I thought it would be a very fun conversation to have with them, um, not only for myself, but for everybody who's looking to know a little bit more about this band. Um, I endorse them wholeheartedly musically. I think they're a great band in what they do. Um, so I was excited to chat them up and ring them up over Skype one afternoon my time, and uh, you'll join us right as we start talking about their dietary changes. Hopefully you enjoy. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are the uh, you guys are on board the uh, vegetarian train now, yeah? Vegan train, yeah, yeah. Dude, welcome, welcome to the welcome to the team. It's a wonderful kingdom. I I, I have been noticing that, and um, it's it's exciting. And all all you dudes are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look at that. Once one converts, you guys all convert. Shape. You know what? We even got a guy uh, who's filling in for our, for us right now. And aside from the fact that we desperately want him to join anyway, but he refuses to because he's in another band. But he spent one night at our house, and he's vegan now. <laughs> we can be very persuasive. That actually segues perfectly into. Uh, one of the things, because I usually like to start these things off with just kind of a you know, a little trip down memory lane. Like usually my first experience in either finding out about, you know, you guys as a band or, you know, you as individual members. Um, I just remember when obviously I was working at Century Media and Architects kind of got started to be spoken about internally at the office. Um, and uh, you know, I was I was already familiar just because I had the Nightmares EP. Um that was a, that was an EP, right? It's a mini album. I'll call it an EP because I don't like to say we have five albums. Yeah, good point. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It makes you sound really old, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm Twenty-four now, so <laughs> which blows my mind. Um, five albums. <laughs> the uh, so yeah, I heard that, and I uh, I mean it, it was okay. It didn't blow my mind, but um, you know, I, which I'm like, sure, I'm sure it doesn't blow your mind, anyways. It's fucking rubbish. <laughs> Which, you know, it's your first recording and that's understandable. But anyways, so I remember I remember hearing that and I remember talks about, you know, uh, architects and everything. And, you know, as stuff started to, you know, get hot and heavy and... Uh, million, million dollar record deal. 
basically once like seven figures started to be spoken about, I was like, oh, okay, I should pay attention to this band. The Jimmy and team got together. They said, this EP isn't that good. It's pretty <laughs> shit, but <laughs> seven <laughs> figures. <laughs> but these guys probably have the potential to be the next Coldplay. Yeah. Um, Time. But I remember, uh, like, I don't know what it is about you guys that, um, you know, and obviously this is me just complimenting you, but <laughs> you not only like, you know, as musicians and what have you and what you guys do um, in a band, but the, I guess the collective unit that is architects, like it's so infectious. It's one of those things where it's like, either if you hang out with you guys or, um, you know, watch you guys play live or whatever the case may be, um, whether you're a kid in the audience or whether you were like myself where it was like, you know, I was a dude at the label working for you guys. Um, you just like wanted to be a part of it. And it's something that's so, uh, that's so indistinguishable and really difficult for bands to kind of capture in general. Um, I don't know if you guys, I mean, I'm sure it would be difficult for you guys to be like, Oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're easily that infectious. And basically everybody yeah. that we hang out with is the best thing ever, but, um, are amazing to hang out with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's partially due to the accents, obviously. Yeah, they're hilarious. These accents, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All but, very kind words, Ray. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. But I mean, I, 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 I just think that uh, I think that that's kind of why you guys have been able to, you know, build like you have been as a band. Where it's not everyone thinks that though. Some some people hate us. Don't they? Ask Alexandria, the singer. Oh, well, we don't really know each other, do we? I'm yeah. sure we would get on. So he he specifically has targeted you guys. <laughs> oh, are you? We get do on with you? we get on with most bands. We do, we do, because they meet us and they can't believe it. Usually, can they? <laughs> they can't believe that like you're actually nice, or is it? Well, they obviously, you know, they've heard a lot about us stories and stuff, and they finally meet us, and it's quite well. Quite I think those guys must be stuck up ourselves because in every other interview, we're slanging someone off. <laughs> Not me, I might add. This is Tom talking. When did I slag someone off? I'm not going to go into this. <laughs> Mainly Sam. Yeah, Sam's a vitriolic character, but you know, I, I you know, we we try to be just sort of normal, um, sort of English people, don't we? I think Mum's listening out there. M- our Mum's listening. That's part of the charm. Mum, do you want to say hello? Oh, she's pretending she's not listening. I think she's too good for it. <laughs> She doesn't want to appear on the podcast. I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. We don't live at home, though. We live in a big... A bit, she's visiting. We've got a big house from all the money we made from the band. Big, no, no, big. no, normal size house. We made loads of money, but then we gave it all away to Africa. more needy people. <laughs> right, because... Needy, like, oh, they're like, always calling up, and they're like, give like me your a money. needy girlfriend. Not that not sort of needy, but... Genuinely <laughs> needy. Pro- properly needy, when they need, do need stuff. Sure, sure. No, I get it. But that... Like I said, I think it's just one of those things that that's why, um, you know, you do, there are definitely bands that are like the band's bands, you know, where it's like they're fun to tour with and, you know, they kind of bands. (laughs) Right. But they don't, yeah, they don't have any fans, but you guys kind of blend a good combo where obviously you've been over. It's where we have some fans. Right. (laughs) It takes, it takes a while. I don't know. Yeah, and do you think do you think that's just because you guys have obviously well, I mean, one, you're obviously brothers, but and then two, kind of like you guys have all sort of you know just been playing music together for so long, it just kind of comes naturally, or what? Well, the uh, sort of camaraderie that we have going on. Yeah, uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. Um, I guess I don't really think about it. I'm, I'm glad that we all get on, though, because you do see other bands and they all kind of sit and do their own thing and you never really see them talking. In fact, even when we went on tour with... Here's a little story. It's really not a story, but when we went on tour in... I am a bit of an anecdotalist. This is Tom. Dan isn't at all. Um, Harsh. We went on tour in Europe uh, with Comeback Kid and Outbreak and... Don't want to forget anyone. Pain and misery signals. Pain and misery signals. And I remember. Um, it's a good story. So <laughs> I, I think Bobby flew with this from misery signals. Not misery signals. Bobby from Pain. Drummer. Yes, oh, that's his name. What's his name? What's his name? He wouldn't know our names mate, for, the, for the record. Yeah, actually, you know, this. It wasn't him. It was the bass player. I don't know his name. He doesn't know my name. It's fine. But he went over to us in Austria and he said, you can tell you guys haven't been touring for that long because you're always hanging out together. And I thought at the time, well, we've been touring for a little while. Not as long as Bane, though, but no one's been touring as long as Bane. Right. Yeah, that's facts, isn't it? But that's now, still, we're, we're probably even worse now. Probably hang out. Yeah, we, we move around in a little group. Uh, me, Tom, well, because obviously Tim departed, but now the group... Me, Tom, Sam, and Ali basically joined at the hip on we we do actually move around like a huddle of penguins <laughs> through the same body warmth. If we go if we go anywhere like if we leave venue, we all go together. If, if you know if we go to the bus, we all go together. We eat together. We bathe together. Yeah, we wash together, and that's why we all went vegan together because we <laughs> do anything different. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all want more time in our lives, you know, whether it's like, dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff? to be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that for one, really matter to you and two, try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp because if you need to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you and they can be suited to your schedule. And you fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist. And if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, no, I mean, but that that is rare. I mean, I, I do see why... You know, dudes in Bane would go over to you and be like, because it's not like when bands tour so long and, you know, are just basically, you know, out there, you're obviously it's an extended family. Um, But, you know, you don't see that like, you know, as as you grow as a band, like, you know, people kind of, you know, separate because they grow up or whatever the case may be. They still like each other, but they like you said, they're not attached to the hip like you guys are. I mean... We, me, Tom, Ali, and Sam are going on holiday together in three weeks. Oh. How, many bands, how many bands do that? That is so adorable. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's we're just, doing, that's just we're, charming. We're doing a festival in Spain, so we're, we're, uh, the rest of the crew are flying home, and we're all getting hotel together and going to the beach together, and we'll probably rub lotion into Ali. <laughs> we'll, we'll tan up in Speedos. God, he's going to look good. <laughs> That's good. That's get, good. Get, get, get him a Brazilian. He's lost a lot of weight, so it won't look as much like a beached whale as you might imagine in your head. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, this is this is gonna be difficult for me to get through. Um, <laughs> and so, kind of kind of moving backwards, because uh, another part I enjoy about doing this show is kind of just you know really taking a step back, and you know obviously you guys and I have hung out on more than one occasion in different countries. Um, but we've never been able to be like, Hey, you know, where were you born? And like, how was your upbringing and all that type of stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. both you guys are twins. Am I correct in this? Yeah. Yeah. For real. So there's kind of one answer for stuff like that as well, which, which is, which makes it easier because that way you're not stepping all over each other. Like you always do anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so where were you, were you guys born and raised in uh, Brighton? Wait, one, one the other person to answer. Yes, yes, we are. We were, we were born here. A little bit of trivia: Sam was born in Guildford, and Ali was born in Shoreham. Um, I know this because of their passports, because I had to fill in a passport form for them to apply for second passports three days ago. So, nice little side note there. We were, we were cesarean. <laughs> really? Yeah, we were cut out. That, Mom, makes, that makes sense because well, uh, neither of us are circumcised. Oh, that's even better. 
Um, I've got an innie belly button, not an outie. So weird. What do you mean, just you? So have I. You've seen mine. Why are you acting like I haven't? <laughs> this is by far the most in-depth answer I've ever got for that. <laughs> I, I really, I do appreciate it, though. That's very nice. Um, uh, we grew up on v- uh, we uh, Via Road until we were four. Uh, and get a postcode, right. get a postcode. <laughs> and then we moved to a new address, and I'm not going to give that out because that's where we live now. Um, oh, oh, wow. I remember the first day we moved here because I remember playing with a tennis ball. I was four. <laughs> okay, that that like I said, that's the most in depth answer I've ever received. <laughs> We're really painting a picture. No, I, I I do appreciate that, and obviously the listeners will as well. Um, the so Adventure imagery. What what did your, uh, what did your what do your parents do for a living, and why 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 Brighton? Why do they why why do you guys have such an attachment to uh to Brighton Brighton besides the fact that you live there? Most of England is really really dull. Uh, whilst Brighton's actually a really really lovely seaside town. Although if any fans are listening, we love it. Right. Oh yeah. No, uh, I mean a lot of it's crap. There's some good bits, but Brighton is easily Stoke's nice. Anyone that comes to Brighton likes Brighton, and that's the oh, I'm from London. I like everything London. Yeah, yeah. no, like, Brighton's a really nice place, and, and yeah, I, I mean I gets a little bit boring at times. Um, but you know, it, it when the sun's out, which is like maybe four or five days of the year, it is a really beautiful place. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> could you could you see yourself living elsewhere, or is that one of those? Places? Yeah, 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 but only out of board, a different country, Australia. Give me yeah. that. But you know, if I moved to Australia, rehearsals would be a nightmare. So um, Skype, <laughs> Skype, just mic up the drums and put them down Skype. Just one mic in the room. Fuck it, we just demo everything and then go and record it properly. So that I've got the green light to move. I'm moving to Australia. Um, I'm fun with your this, things are moving very quickly here. I appreciate that. Mom and pops, you know, should know what dad did. Dad, dad, he did a business. He did. He was one of those businessmen. Yeah. Okay. So indiscriminate business. The printing industry, and then. Mum stayed back with little Dan and Tom to bring them up, care for them, change our nappies. Sure, you, you, and you guys are you guys are really getting into the um, uh, the terminology of uh, English folk because you know some American kids will be like, "What are nappies?" But that's diapers <laughs> for those of you who need a glossary to figure this interview out. Yeah, yeah so. She changed our shitty diapers. Well, that's uh, that's kind of what you do as as a parent. I can speak from experience because I'm currently still changing diapers for my little guy. It, it's an experience. I, I can sh- I can assure you that two of you, I would imagine, would be hellish at the same time screaming. Little yeah. story. One time, we uh, our mum she'll hate it. She said this probably. She fell asleep. Unbelievable. I'm terrible parenting. Mum, you're listening. Terrible. Um, she woke up to find me and Tom uh, had juiced some carrots and some apples and put malaria tablets in the drink. So she... Uh, said Still to, love that recipe. Took <laughs> carrot, apple and malaria tablet. Took us to the hospital and had our stomach pumped. Another story, we ate soap. Both of us at the same time. I don't know. I, I'm scared of using... I use the juicer now. I'm scared of it now. When I, I don't understand we were how two. we cr- were two crawling on the floor, crawled up onto a work surface like a slug, <laughs> attaching yourself to a wall. How does a baby get up there into a cupboard, plug it into a wall? It's I'm extremely skilled at a young age, and then to not taste the soap, to eat it and swallow. 
That's impressive. Yeah, so we had our stomachs pumped twice. Well, that's good. I, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think at one point someone needs to have their stomach pumped just, just for fun, you know, just to see what yeah. it's like. Well, apparently they don't do it anymore, which is why no, I stopped eating. So they make people sick and say that. I think that's... They just make them sick. Just be sick instead. Don't know why I didn't think of it before. Probably plays a big part of those two stories. They need quite nice for the new album. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is all a direct influence to Daybreaker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, as you kind of you know, as you grew up and you started to go to what what do you guys call high school over there? Was is it called high school or is it called? Oh, what's what's all of them? When I first went to new nursery school. What was it called? Nursery nursery school. Okay. Yeah, we call that preschool, maybe. Yeah, what was it called? The one we went to. Do you remember? I can't fucking remember the name of that. It was up near Queen Street. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, then we have, like, junior school, primary school, secondary school, college, university. Me and Tom did not do university. Did they do it? We're still on a gap eight years. It's okay. You're just taking a break. Yeah. Well, no, six years, isn't it? We're on a sixth, our sixth gap year. Okay. Um, oh, I like that. Sixth gap year. I like that. There's um, going to be no point in earning a living when the, finan- the global financial collapse happens anyway. So I figure... You know, we've it's too late now. So too little, do, too late. Let's just get on with it. You know, board up the windows. <laughs> sure. So then, as, as you went to, uh, well, like I said, what I what we call high school over here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how was uh well for one, how was that experience for you guys? And then two, kind of what was your what was the introduction to like independent music as a whole? And kind of you know what. When did you start to become aware of all of that type of stuff? Uh, my first, I remember, I think the first time I really felt like I wanted to be in a band was um, when some older kids. Yeah, um, I'd agree with this. I already know the story. It's like tele- telepathic, isn't it? The twin thing. I don't know if you do because there was two different occasions, but I remember this one. We went into the. Well, I know the two, so I know both of them. I know what both of them are. So it's not a competition. Uh, we went into. Um, the school music classroom at a lunchtime and there was like the older kids and they were playing a band and they were doing a at the drive-in cover of the song Cosmonaut that was in the assembly was it? no I yeah, saw it in the, no. I saw it in the well, that, I, were, I, I, saw, I saw the actual performance in the assembly, assembly and it was amazing well they played it really well what about when those kids had to, were playing blind in Corn, the yeah, yeah that was in one of the hearts that was the other one that's probably the other one I thought you might have thought of but you thought of the wrong one because I wasn't really inspired by that one <laughs> it was embarrassing one even. of them was wearing fishnet top it, it, it was embarrassing then spurred him on plus and I remember a guy playing a guitar I never told him so I got him on Facebook um Wow, you were so much. <laughs> he had the guitar I wanted as well because Larry from Hundred Reasons played it. This right. is detail. Keep, keep it moving. Keep it. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. <laughs> but yeah, that was the first time I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then I was like, I'll play bass, and then I play bass, and then it was oh, I've got bored of it, play guitar, and now here I am. But in terms of you know, we in, well, it depends what you tell classes alternative music, I suppose. We we re, we played like when we first started playing in a band, we did just like some of the chillies, didn't we? Well, at first it was like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Muse, Incubus. Um, Never did an Incubus cover, did we? Yeah, we thought so. Just Which bits. One? Which one? Well, Stuff Off Make Yourself, definitely. I don't remember. Did he have too many effects pedals? Nah, definitely. Too many effects pedals? Definitely. We did Pattern Against User at the drive-in. Did, did we? Yeah, we did Mother in that. this room. 
we did console museum muse big white and drive that was about, that was the first time we ever played on stage big white and drive after playing a, a scout hut uh, and they let us come up and take their instruments and tear the stage to pieces wow and yeah. so, so as you, uh, as you guys, it seems like there was a lot of uh, like uh, talent show stuff happening in in high school. Like, was that a common thing for you guys? It was. It was really just like uh, just the know. alternative kids organizing the stuff themselves. The kids that society left behind. <laughs> Got it. Uh, no, so yeah, was, you know, we we were naturally. Oh, Tom, that's Tom wore Tom dyed his hair different colours like green and blue that and purple, red, that one purple, and that went grey. <laughs> his hair, hair went ginger. It was like that, like temporary dye. Like that week, temporary week red long. dye was permanent. That yeah. was that. One and one day he put his hair into like sort of gelled <laughs> pyramids or something, and uh, the teacher met sent him to the toilet to wash it out. Yeah. yeah. Tom was just so against the system. Don't like it, mate. <laughs> I understand. So, you were you were punk at a very young age. Very, very, very punk. But did Before, you, no, we just wanted to do yeah, hundred reasons covers, which were a British post hardcore band, which were sort of fairly popular for a while. Yeah, yeah I, re- I remember that band. And so, uh, like, did in, did you guys enjoy high school? Like, was it fun for you guys, or did you can't yeah. wait wait to get out of it? No, it was alright. No, yeah, I didn't mind it. Probably look at it more fondly now than we did at the time. I think everyone, that's just sort of how everyone feels about um, education, I suppose. You, you sort of, I didn't like getting up in the morning, but generally, unless you were really badly bullied, then you probably people. I think people that are bullied, they're the ones that are like don't really miss it. Yeah, well, me and Tom didn't really get bullied or anything. We were, uh, but we didn't. We weren't like well, popular, no, no, just, under the radar. Exactly. Yeah, we just sort of. Now they all want to know, oh, you're in a band, talk to me, be my friend, do one, mate. Next, yeah. <laughs> so you, you really you really do have old, like, high school classmates that, that get back in touch and are like, oh, hey, do you remember when we hung out? And it was like, we didn't hang out. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's just that we have, m- most people just go through uh, education and, you know, they go to university or whatever and then they get a job that they don't really care about more often than not. Uh, whilst me and Tom have sort of done something different, and I think that's probably why friends from school are interested because we're the ones that are doing something a little bit unusual. So right, right, right. Broken the mold. Did you guys? Uh, were you guys into sports or anything like that? Were you into footy? Love. Dan was the team goalkeeper. I never got in the squad because I was too shit. Well, we had our own team. They were called Wifting Wolves. Wolves. Yeah, we were in a team called Wifting Wolves, and we lost every game about fourteen nil. We were absolutely <laughs> Absolutely rubbish. But we did love football. I remember when I was 12, we had to write a paper about what we wanted to do in the old, and I said, I want to be a goalkeeper. Can and I now when say, the ball comes near me, I run away. Can I just say you've got to really love football to get up in the rain every Sunday morning and lose 12 or 14. <laughs> That's how much we liked it. But I played for the school because I think what happened was I just kept turning up the training and they felt sorry for me. So eventually they just went, for crying out, this guy's pathetic. Let's just put him in the team. It's embarrassing. So, uh, <laughs> they're like, let's just get this kid on a team and off my yeah, case. I, they were worried because, you know, I was a, a bit of a goth as well. So they were worried about, you know, goth. what I might be broadly <laughs> yeah. using that term. Dyed my hair black at one point. So, <laughs> it, it, so uh, it sounds like these fashion stylings that you guys were, uh, where did you guys get these ideas to like that you did want to like dye your hair different colors and stuff like you, that? Music television, I think. Okay. Koran. <laughs> okay. Impressive. 
Impressionable young man. Well, well, when I when I did the thing with my hair, it was definitely a Matt Bellamy move. That one was it. Yeah, I thought it was Mudvayne. <laughs> it was not Mudvayne. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, we way preferred Mudvayne to Muse always. Okay. Oh yeah. Look, I don't know if they're friends, right? But I just don't think they're back catalog is as solid as Muse's. And so and so, uh, Dan, where did you pick up the idea that you obviously wanted to uh, to do drums? And did you guys like together collectively were like, "Hey, we want to play together." Um, funnily, not, funnily enough, we didn't. It wasn't like a plan or anything. Uh, I, I, I actually Tom played uh, keyboard barely, barely put an effort. It was awful. But I played trumpet, and I was actually half decent actually, which is quite. Uh, impresses quite a lot of people. Yeah, really cool. Um, <laughs> you, you should have. You should have obviously continued your passion and played in a ska band. Obviously, <laughs> exactly. I wish I had in a way. You love ska. Um, so I played that, but I, I hated it. So one day, a friend of mine uh, said, "Oh, I'm going to take drum lessons, but it's cheaper if we share. So do you want to share?" I went. I asked my mum. So I did, and she went, "Yeah." Uh, and so I went back in. And Didn't I tell her the prices of cymbals. No. <laughs> or, or how loud they are. Uh, and so I went in and started doing shared lessons. And the teacher was like, bloody hell, you are quite good, actually. Quite quickly. Was he really? Yeah, he was like, that. you've got natural talent. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I will continue to go to you. Um, but the other guy who was doing lessons, he was useless. And so he packed it in after about two weeks. But I stayed on because he was like, he said you've got the potential to be, we actually didn't say that, that is a lie. But uh, no, he, 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 did, he did seem to think I had something. So it was the first time I think anyone's ever said you're good at something to me. Well, um, oh, me. <laughs> so uh, I carried on, carried on with it and and I'm still at it. Got it. And so did you, uh, so collectively, both of you guys, you know, as you were both figuring out your prospective instruments, did you guys decide that it was just easiest to play together and kind of start a band? Yeah, well, um, our, the, first, the singer of our first band was a guy called Ben who lived about four doors down for us. So he played guitar and song, Tom played bass with his um, pyra- Delta Died Pyramids and I that one day. <laughs> <laughs> And what was it? Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but what was the? Because uh, I find the first band names some of the most revealing slash funny slash awesomely bad band names. So please tell me what the name of your first band was. It was in Harmonic, wasn't it? Yeah, in Harmonic. Oh, that's not Which, that's not terrible. I think it was supposed to be some sort of attempt at like Deftones yeah. in Harmonic. It's really it's, it's pretty, pretty bad. Shit. It's pretty bad. Um, and that was just covers, wasn't it? I had a bongo. No, I had no, a bongo. It wasn't just covers. I had a bongo though. Surely we should talk about that for a little bit. <laughs> what? And so, what, how old were you guys when you were doing this? Uh, 14, 15. 14, 15? I started off. playing drums when I was 14. We were doing shows in the free button when I was 15. Or maybe I was like when I was 13. But it all happened quite fast because we, we instantly had it. The, the time travels time, so slowly when t- you're that age. The time was so crazy. You think how much you can get done in a year as a 13-year-old. You know, because we had, like, a song called Spider Song, which is, like, System of Down. Because I had some Spider Song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think about the... Um, I Know Everything But The Answers. That was a song. If I... If so, I it was two songs about superheroes that had superheroes. That was, that was the later on material. That was when we were starting to get heavy. Well, because eventually we became Counting the Days, and... Wait, that, what was that? Count, counting the Days? 
Yeah, which was named after a, a, an obscure Hundred Reasons song off a split they did with a band called Garrison. Yeah, oh. I have that CD. Okay, well, we're named after a song on that. <coughs> okay. Um, so that and then we did. We did, EP. we did a four-track EP. This is when I said, "Look, like, no, 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 Ben was like, I'll write the songs." So was Ben not in clips? Was Ben not? In, was Ben just alone frontman for a while? He was. Wasn't yeah, he? he was. Yeah. So yeah, we got what we did is we got Matt. Uh, we got another guitarist. So Tom went to guitar. Uh, a guy called Matt went to guitar and screaming, uh, and then Ben just sung, and we got a bassist called Tim. They're all gone, obviously. But, um, that, then we did a four-track EP. But that's we? what I would consider the beginning of Architects then. Yeah. Okay. That, let's not say that, because then we've been going for like 10 years. Well, the, the, the idea of the band that, you know, you kind of yeah, wanted to do something the- like this. If I had ever, if I had started writing songs that were continuing, like evolving constantly from then to now, that's what I would say. Yeah, it was never like right. We're done with that band and that style. Well, the thing is about that band is the other guitarist we got, Matt. He became our singer for our first um, CD for Nightmares. He eventually stopped playing guitar and just and just did screaming. And that's when we, we got, got Tim in. And that's when we got Tim in because Tim was in with Matt. Yeah, all college mates. So we all that by then, and we were doing shows in sixteen, sixteen plus venues when we were fifteen. We were children, God, literally yeah. children. We oh, did so, a- so you guys, they have. Um, I mean, we have eighteen plus venues here in the states, but they have sixteen plus venues over there. Yeah, they're not very common. I don't know, no. not anymore. But yeah, back then, you know, we're talking this is like eighty-two or eighty. <laughs> no, we weren't born then. Uh, no, you it? weren't. Two thousand years ago. Nine years ago. That is. Too long. So 2003. Okay. Because we became architects in 2004, and our and that was uh, that was our first show. And we were, we weren't called architects on the flyer. We were called candidates, but it was supporting Nile and diabetes, and we replaced necrophagist. <laughs> and we were like, wow, emotional. We were like an emo core band. <laughs> Sixteen years old. Sixteen year old emo core band opening replacing necrophagist. Is that a genre? It was then, big time. Are you kidding me? It was all the rage. You had to dye black hair. No, I was, yeah, that was it actually. Yeah, you did. So the yeah. so the the fact that was like trial by fire. So you guys were thrown into the heat where it's like this show is going to suck, and you knew it yeah. was going to suck going into it. Shortly after that, uh, probably in the, within six months, we supported um, Napalm Death as well, <laughs> <laughs> which is just and the last time they played played Brighton was before we were born. I think it was in, they played Brighton in 1986. I will say this, we are de- we were definitely not one of those bands that got together, got like an EP's worth of songs, got on a few good tours and immediately had hype. We <laughs> did <laughs> everything wrong for years. I mean, this is why we feel old, because we, A, wrote garbage music, we played badly, we... I mean, our song sucked, and we played on bills that didn't make any sense just in Brighton for years. I mean, right. that was a that's why I feel old now. If we had just started Ruin, then... Yeah, so that's 2006, yeah? What, Ruin? Yeah. No. Ruin, yeah, maybe. Maybe 2007. 2007, no, 2007, 2007 I think. It's 2007, yeah. So that's, you know, that seems a bit more recent. That's only five years ago. The yeah, stuff before... Right. But then you hear about bands, they're like, oh, Talk the been, states off that record. You hear bands that have been going for, like, you know, oh, we've been going for six years and we're just about to release our debut album. 
what is that about? I mean, I don't know what bands get up to, but maybe that is a good idea. I think maybe it is. <laughs> because then you haven't got this public, you know, we can't delete nightmares off, off you know, the, the earth. Conscience. But more, more devastatingly, we can't delete some of our old promos. Right. They're, they're on the internet forever now. And that is something we have to deal with. On a daily basis. Yeah. So as you, um, once you guys started to obviously play together and play in all these bands that you were speaking of uh, prior to obviously Architects, you know, becoming, um, you know, more of a, a focus, were you guys pretty much at that point, hey, mom and dad, we are not interested in pursuing university at all? Or how did that conversation go? Because obviously parents are, yeah, they, they t- parents totally love the idea of kids not going to further their education and do a really loud screaming band. Yeah, well, we just said we were going to take a gap here with it because in our last year of college, we did a tour with Beecher and then we did a tour with uh, Johnny True and then we did a tour with Bring Me the Horizon all in our last year of college when we were 18. So, you know, we had already missed quite a bit and we already had a Euro- our first European tour planned for that August after we finished college. So I think they kind of saw that it was there was some kind of momentum there, even if actually there wasn't. Um, so we yeah, just said, yeah, we're, we're just going to take one year out. And by the time that year was up, I think it was pretty evident that we weren't going to gonna go. I think that because it's, it's a bit of a pinch, you know, on the old wallet. So two of two us at the same time as well. No, I think, I think deep down they're probably a bit... Gosh, a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they... Uh, they even even taking a year off like that's that's a tough discussion to have with uh, with parents as well so were they kind of were they just like okay you do this for a year and then you'll come to your senses and realize that's a terrible idea uh, I could, i'm a little bit hazy on how exactly it went to be honest i don't know if we're, we have sort of gave them a choice yeah i mean <laughs> just like we're doing this it's like okay i had no in- by the time i finished college i had no interest in learning yeah, I, I do now, but I didn't then. I, I, I didn't. We didn't have any idea what we wanted to do at university. All we wanted to do was play in the band. And to be honest, our parents have always been very, very supportive. And actually, as time goes on, their support just gets stronger and stronger. Is what we do. So um, they never really made much sort of. They never really like argued against us and told us we shouldn't do it. They just sort of said that, that if that's what we want to do, then we should go for it. So. Um, got to give some credit in that respect, I suppose. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's 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 a huge thing. Um, and didn't your uh, didn't your guys' mom help you out with mail order, uh, like mail order for shirts for a certain time? For year until last year, she ran our online store, and and she'd always helped with like financial matters and you know stuff that we don't know about tax and all that kind of uh, nonsense. Before we uh, got involved with a business manager, we, you know, she looked after all our stuff, and so she's always been extremely helpful. To, for our bands, sort of. Uh, that's an, that's, so, that's pretty incredible because some parents yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. and she can, she continues to be incredibly supportive for us. So. I'd say she's the sixth member, but she isn't because <laughs> we don't have a fifth right now. <laughs> so she's the fifth member. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. So what was what was the... Uh... And you guys were able to, I mean, obviously, since, do, do you both uh, still live with your, your parents? And when I say still, I don't mean that in a derogatory it's way. It's that big house that we were talking about earlier. Right, the, we, I know, the $7 million house. From the Century Media Advance. Of course. When we signed. Uh, no, we still live on. Yeah, that makes sense. So what yeah. was the, uh, and so because of that, you guys have been able to, you know, not have a quote-unquote real job in quite some time. So what was the... Uh, what was the last real job that you guys had to hold down in between, you know, either in between records or before the band really started to, you know, generate income, so to speak? I had a good one. I had a good one. Uh, the It was just called cool, the telemarketing company. It's the longest I've ever worked anywhere. I was there for three months. Um, <laughs> three months. That's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time in telemarketing. Um no, and that was a weird one, actually, because the band was kind of doing stuff. And whilst I was there, we had uh, a poster out in Kerrang! one week. And um, I had a kind of, I made friends with a the guy there, and he was, he was like in his 50s. But he, he, he used to be in a band, and, he, you know, they had been toured America and all this stuff. So we used to talk about that sort of stuff. No glimpse into the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, I'd gone to the shop at lunchtime and picked it up and I kind of, you know, let it lay on to him. Oh, yeah, we've got this poster. Yeah. So no, it's, no, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Um, and then he told the boss. And then at the end of the day, the boss made an announcement to the whole room that uh, we've, got, we've got our own resident rock star in the house. 
embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, but quite a strange sort of juxtaposition of being a guy trying to sell companies credit card um, where people buy this magazine and probably see these people on the poster or whatever and think, wow, they've, they've really made it or something. Like that. <laughs> that would be incredible if for all the rest of the calls that you did that day, we'd be like, have you heard of the music magazine Kerrang? <laughs> yeah. That's fucking me in the centerfold there. That's me. And then you were able to get some, uh, yeah, some poor saps to sign up for credit cards. That are probably going to wreck that company. <laughs> um, and the obvious question that I'm sure has been asked of you uh, a few times, so I apologize, but um, I just always find it so interesting when people, you know, when family members are able to exist like you guys have been, essentially you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not only in the band, but living together and kind of everything else. Um, what prevents you from killing one another? Come close every now and again. Fine lines. Yeah. Um, or when, or actually, or here, here's also another addendum to the question as well. Um, when was the last, like, true either fist fight or yelling at each other? Like, what, what, was, the, uh, what was the last time that you can recall in regards to that? And then, how do you not kill each other after that? <laughs> About two days ago, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it wasn't. We've never really got got fists involved, uh, but we, yeah, we get pretty angry at each other. But you know, it's just it's just part and parcel of being brothers, or even more so, twin brothers, and basically being joint at the hip. You know, with the same in the same band in the same house with the same friends. <clears throat> since day one, so... I think the thing that, that <clears throat> holds it together is that we agree on most things and we're both sort of working towards the same stuff. Time, that can also be a source of tension because, you know, we're both, you know, we're both working for the band and want we want sort of success or whatever you want to call success for the band. Um, and sometimes that can, you know, be a serious thing and something that we both really strongly feel about so when we disagree on it that can be quite a um explosive explosive event <laughs> but i think that's why we you know why we can exist because we're both you know you get you get other brothers who go off in different directions and uh you know don't see eye to eye but i mean we we are living the exact same life trying striving for the same thing so sure got it no that that, that does make sense yeah you see you see people have either the reaction like you guys have where, you know, you're both in it together and living it or the opposite reaction of people being like, I have to distance myself from my siblings, you know, yeah. immediately because I need to, you know, be my own individual. Yeah. But, you know, you see a lot of, a lot of bands with brothers do do really well. And I think maybe there is something in it and in, in, in some respects, I mean, yeah. C- certainly in, Eng- in England, the, the probably biggest current example is Biffy Clara, I reckon. Yeah. Well, Pantera. Pantera. <laughs> yes. Gajira. Gajira. Fantastic. There are others. There are others. Go yeah. on. Bill Oddie. Go on. There are others. Go on. Go on. Game, name, More. Another, name another band with brothers. More. I think, I think uh, God Forbid has brothers. God Forbid? Well, they uh, used to. No longer. Um... But regardless, anyways, that's a whole different topic. Black Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I think all of these are are completely uh, true. Pink uh, Floyd, Pink Floyd. Kind of, I wanted to hit on something that you guys, uh, we were joking about earlier, even though technically this whole interview is kind of a joke. Um, 
the the fact that I mean I've always noticed, especially like in the UK, um, most of your you know music magazines and everything are, are so centered around um, you bullshit. know well bullshit or drama. Like you know, it's kind of very. This has got us in hot water recently, right? We've got to tread on eggshells with this subject. Okay, that's fine. I mean, and I, I don't need to trot out any specific stories or anything. And this is merely just an observation that you can comment on. But, um, you know, like where here in the States, like we have, you know, tabloid magazines like, you know, Us Weekly, where they talk about, you know, the A-list movie stars. And, you know, 70% of the story is true and 30% is false. And so I feel that the UK kind of has a similar vibe in the way that they cover music. Where it's like they care about, um, you know, they care about live shows and new records that come out, but they also care more so about the dramatic events that happened kind of behind the scenes. Like, yeah. And you guys, you guys have mostly been able to navigate sort of away from that just because, you know, you're not some, um, you know, crazy dramatic band. Um, but what's that? But that's a problem, though, for us, unfortunately. Well, in terms of press, but I mean, who gives a shit about being in magazines for all that stuff? It's embarrassing. But yeah, I mean, it's certainly the fact that we don't really cater to that kind of stuff, and that coupled with us having a pretty boring image, bar a, a singer with long blonde hair. <laughs> right, which is not that it's, crazy. We, it's, yeah, we're not like particularly marketable or interesting band in any other sense other than our music. So, unfortunately, that sort of makes us quite uh, difficult for or unattractive for some magazines to, to cover us. And has that, has that been something that you guys um, have intentionally done? Um, I mean, obviously you've not intentionally crafted your own personal lives to be like, okay, well we can't be crazy because we don't want these magazines to pick up on us. But um, you know, you've kind of tried to just basically f- have people focus on the music rather than, you know, well, it's just, that's just who we are. Yeah, exactly. It's just who we are. So it's like, it's hard to focus on anything else because there is nothing else to focus on because <laughs> yeah. you know, we don't do anything crazy and we're, we're such like regular, cynical, sarcastic English guys. That, I mean, that we're, we're so regular in, in so many respects that, that we can't really, we, we can't even pretend, even if we wanted to, we couldn't even pretend to be what you know some magazines want us to be um i'd like to think though on the plus side and you know i can't speak for what our fans think or what other people think of our band but i'd like to think that any sort of any fans that we do have uh you know identify with the fact that we are just people trying to make music that we like and that and it really is that simple and there's no sort of um sort of added glamour or you know pretentious behavior you know i like I, all that stuff's like really embarrassing to me and really contrived right right you know that and that's that's kind of what i've been able to notice where you know you guys joke about obviously feeling old um and the fact that you know you do have you do have a decent body of work you know but because you have you know well four full lengths if you don't count ruin um and so i think that you know because it's been a slower build for you guys. And like you said, you haven't just immediately blown out in the scene and been like, we're here, fucking pay attention to us. Um, mm. People, you know, tend to follow you for longer periods of time. Like, do you notice that where it's like kids have kind of grown up with you in a way? Oh yeah, definitely. Especially in England. There's some fans that we've just have been coming to our shows for years and years and following us for 
a long time. But yeah, I mean that is cool. I mean, uh, I, I just hope that we, that means we can. I mean, we'll find out, but uh, I'm sure we will outlive this sort of the the current crop of like stuff that it, I you know I can't help but feel like it's sort of these chances. I suppose you know the the people that it's amazing now, right? Is that we can be in a band now and we're kind of influenced from bands, you know, from whatever, Botch or, or, or Dillinger or mm-hmm. uh, Every Time I Die or, and you know, releases from like 2000, 2001 or whatever, 2002, stuff mm-hmm. like that. But there's bands now, big bands, whose like main influences are like from records that were released three years ago. That's how quickly it happens now. Yeah. You know, but it but it's all kind of, Chewing itself up and becoming more and more of the same stuff. Everything gets rehashed so quickly, whilst we're rehashing old stuff. Well, and they don't know about that. That's the thing. To all the all the kids, they've not listened that's, to it. That's our secret. <laughs> no, so, I mean, I'm kind of hoping that we can. Hopefully, people identify that we're not kind of the same as all that stuff, which is might be pretty popular right now. But I sure. Don't know. We'll see. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we share a lot of fans with a, a lot of these bands, but we feel very separate from them. And uh, we do, you know, even, I, not, and, you know, I'm not trying to slag anyone off. I'm not going to name any names, but thing, thing, because, uh, you know, we're actually friends with some bands that do this, I think, maybe. Um, but things like, uh, like uh, synchronized sort of uh, stage moves and stuff like that, like choreographed stage moves. Right. That's so absolutely insane to, mm-hmm. to us as just like to us as sort of as cynical sarcastic English people that can only be done in like a cynical sarcastic like comedy sense where you're taking the piss like, right, right you're like this is this is funny that we do this but there are people that actually yeah, because on, that's like part of their business plan that's like it's what standard that, that's what that's synchronized when we when we were growing up synchronized dance moves was uh, it was boy bands. Was was Westlife take that? You know, I don't know whether the, which of these bands are uh, the boy bands are ever big in America. If oh, any, t- take that was Ensync. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's just that's what that's who you know. That's who does synchronized dance moves. Not that's like an influence on modern metalcore now. It is, and um, and I've discussed this before with someone that um, I don't understand when that. Uh, whole thing, or like just that whole uh, like boy band vibe of metal bands. I don't know how that got into metal bands because I'm sure that doesn't really exist in like indie music or punk music or hardcore or ska. Imagine or, if that got into hardcore or like just like I don't know why it skipped straight. It like it's like a cellular sort of evolutionary mutation. I think it probably in, came in metalcore. How did that happen? I think it probably came along with when every band had to release a video of them doing a cover of the most recent number one radio hit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It. It's it's very it's a very very strange thing and I don't know how it happened but and it's a real it's it's a shame from our perspective that that whole uh, trend or culture musical culture has, has existed in in like amongst our peers now or what are considered our peers um, because we can't fit in in that respect but you know like Tom says maybe that will actually help us in the long run. Uh, it's just something that we will obviously 
never never do. I mean, you couldn't. It's just. I mean, you, we we can't even do like a parody of it because it's so embarrassing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, um, hitting kind of what you guys were saying, where um, you know a lot of the uh, the magazines choose not to cut, like choose not to cover you because you guys are obviously so you know there's there's no stories there. Um, but you guys, you guys are opinionated where it's like, you know, like you're saying, you know, Sam, your singer, obviously he doesn't mince words and people ask him, you know, maybe they catch him at a time where he's drunk and he might say something about a band somewhere. Um, the record and then it ends up in the magazine anyway. Right. Exactly. So, um, is it one of those things where you guys are just like, well, whatever people are going to talk and people are going to say these things and um you know it is what it is and we'll just try to clear it up where we can and avoid it in other places thing is i'd rather not go around picking out bands and and, and talking shit about them or whatever because would, it just seems it just seems so trivial like we let's have, not waste our time doing we have that. no animosity with any bands at all they're like we don't you know, we uh, we don't like some bands' music. Obviously, I mean that's an entirely different thing. But as people, um, there's no bands we have any problem with or any strife with. So you know, uh, we, you know, we've had little sort of silly to dos with some bands over things that have been said in magazines, but never anything serious or anything anyone cares about. You know, what I mean, you know, it, the thing is as well is if with things like Twitter now, you know, you can just say something fairly flippantly and then it, and it you know, look what Dan Architect said about you sort of thing, you know, and then they know. And you can take a photo of a magazine and then the magazine gets... Yeah, or, you know, you can just comment on how a band's dressed, like Sam, and then... Yeah. You know, and that, that, that's just silliness, really. We don't... We, we, like you said before, we're incredibly personable people, very nice, very humble. Uh, and so, <laughs> that well, that that's that's very debatable. That you're you're taking you're taking my words, but um, so we so you know we don't really have, we never have um, issues with other bands. Uh, I'm trying to think. Do, have we had like on tour anything ever? Well, it's funny because people may have a certain perception of you guys. Um, you know, it's like the way that, like you said, you're lumped in with a lot of bands that you might not share common bonds with. Um, but then you know a band like okay using a random example using a band like you know you guys just got off the road with touche amore um you know and you guys wouldn't immediately always play the same sort of shows because you're kind of you know two completely different bands that play in different scenes um and so the sorry there's my my kiddo making some noise in the background um the yeah, the guys in Touche Amore could look at promo photos of you and be like, oh, those guys look like every other UK band or whatever, besides the fact that you don't have maybe ridiculous hair or whatever the case may be. We, and we, you know what? We totally thought they would. <laughs> right, right. And so, but then they tour with you and they realize it's like, oh, these dudes are just, you know, they're totally normal average guys. And so um, I'm sure there's a lot of battling that perception from people from the outside. Yeah, definitely. We were, before we talked to Shimura, we definitely felt that we were sort of like the real uncool yeah. uh, metalcore, sort of fashion core <laughs> metal, metal band. Great, 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 great use of fashion core, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that since about 2002. Because we we love that band, and I kind of went onto it being like, oh, they're because they were on Death Wish so. as well, and like we, you know, they're just like. Well, they're even on social media. We're not on them anymore. Uh, we, we, you know, we and they're a pretty, uh, you know, they're they're a great band, and we and like Tom says, we're all fans. So we were, 
sort of concerned that maybe they would just sort of <laughs> turn their turn their noses up at us. Right, um, right. It didn't at all. So to yeah. be fair, I had my own preconceptions as well. I thought they were probably going to be too cool for school, and they weren't at all. They're lovely guys. Yeah, no, and it, it's funny how you just bring those uh, pieces of baggage into certain tours, and then all of a sudden you realize that it's like, oh, I mean, of course, there are some bands where they do live up to their expectations of like, oh yeah, I heard those guys are kind of you know just hang out in their bus, and that's kind of it, but. It's cool how you're able to break down those preconceived notions and be like, oh, yeah, like you're just as average as I am or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but you're right. We do we do sort of feel like we're tarred with that brush to some extent. Sure, sure. It's difficult yeah. to see it from the inside as well because from the outside, we may, I'm, maybe we are like an embarrassing load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just a thought. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Some um, coming out there. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of um, you know, kind of to to wrap things up in a way. Um, you know, you guys have always had a very, you know, ambitious uh idea of like, all right, you know, like we're doing well in the UK, but we we would like to, you know, do well in other places like Australia, Canada, USA and, you know, all, all those other places that you guys have been able to kind of tour. Um is it just so mind-blowing when you go to different territories and even touring Europe where you're just like, how the fuck is this so goddamn different? We drive four hours and people could give a shit about us. and We drive eight hours and people love us. Like, is it just kind of mind-numbing how that happens? Yeah, I think, I think uh, you, you get numb to it sometimes. But when we went to South America in May, April, May, that was sort of the most refreshing feeling for that I think for me at least because we weren't expecting anything and that was really mind-blowing because we had never been there and um people were just so appreciative and happy that we were there and uh that that because that obviously as well feels like a very different cult different culture to, to England obviously you're like in, you're in like Brazil. wow people actually like going to shows and they want to go to shows as opposed to just like going because it's something to do on a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's an event and it's a big deal and you can almost sort of, you know, that's how it was for when we were, when we were young as well. And, um, when, when you do get those moments of sort of a clarity of what we, what we get to do and or what we've achieved or whatnot is actually, uh, it is obviously a great feeling. Unfortunately, those moments of clarity are few and far between. The thing is, it is, it is a bit disappointing sometimes when you show up somewhere and you think, yeah, maybe this show's going to be all right, and then, and then uh, no one gives a fuck or whatever. And, and that does seem to happen all the time. But um, <clears throat> at the same time, kind of, I don't want to think like the grass is greener for some other bands or whatever, because I, I know there's a, a Pretty much every band I've met that is bigger than us, you know, you always think, God, if I was as big as, if we were as big as that band, like, I'd love it every day. But I don't think it really works like that. You know, I think everyone gets used to what their average show is or what a normal day is for them. And, you know, no one's overwhelmed every single day. So um, I'm not going to say, like, anyone's got a bed. I mean, some other bands we know that play great shows every single day and they can really... You know they want to go home a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's true. That I, it's a, I think that's a pers- that's a very important perspective that a lot of people aren't able to really wrap their heads around because you know at, at the end of the day, bands are you, you 
we as humans are always like striving for more for ourselves, you know, whether it's like professionally, whether it's in a band or whatever the fuck it is, you, you know, you're wanting to kind of push yourself in a way. And so if, I mean, as <laughs> using a hate breed record, it's like, yeah, satisfaction is the death of desire. And it's like, you know, if you do become content, then that's kind of when you, you know, you might not become as vital or your art may suffer or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, I do also wonder, you know, what, what it is that, like you say, like I sometimes I kind of question what it is that drives us forward, like what what this kind of, you know, because I don't want, I really always, you know, I don't think in terms of money, I don't think in terms of, well, if we did better, then we'd have more money. financial anxieties. It's not, it's not like, can we get more? It's not greed, is it? No. and, it, and It's more like, can we afford to do this? And it's more, you know, oh, I just want to have as much fun as possible when we're playing the shows. I just want to play really cool shows. But then if they were really good every day, who's to say that, you know, the really good ones wouldn't be special anymore because they would all be good? I don't know, like, maybe not, but I don't feel, you know, I do wonder, what what is it that I want for our being in a band? What is it that I'm kind of really actually looking for? I think the important thing is that um, we've done four, or some people say five albums, and obviously been touring since uh, 2006 or maybe 2005 and uh, we all still enjoy doing what we do we all still enjoy touring we all still enjoy writing recording so and probably you know so as long as we can keep sustaining that that's yeah because I, mean, I remember yeah. when I first came went on tour and I just couldn't believe how fun it was and, and uh, I still have those moments where I go on tour and I'm just like this is great I just don't want to do anything else you know this is the funnest thing ever and so uh, the fact that we've managed to sustain that feeling because I know for some bands that, or some individuals in bands that um, touring is really viewed as, like, as a chore and I, and I, you always made out that it's going to it will eventually become like that with you but you know we've been doing it for seven years and it, it still isn't a chore so that's at least a positive sign and it doesn't feel like it's, our feelings on it are going to change anytime soon no yeah, no, that's that, that's a huge thing to have. So, and that obviously keeps you know, like you said, you don't you don't quite know your motivation, but it's like because you only really start to question why you're doing something until once it starts to suck. Once you start to not receive some sort of gratification from it, that's when you're like, oh, what do I have to change or what do I have to do differently because I'm not receiving as much enjoyment as I would like out of this or whatever. So yeah, but um. Yeah, gentlemen, you have been, well, first of all, you've been the first international guest for the show, so that's also a huge uh, trophy that will be sent your direction. Um, so, I know, yes, and so I do appreciate you guys wanting to uh, hang out and uh, have fun on this, and I hope it was enjoyable in some way, shape, or form for you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I would say this is an exclusive, most revealing interview yet. Uh, you know, and uh, well, obviously, we talked about your mom changing. Yeah, so that's those bare rules.